episode 13, A Baker's Dozen, of the IntelliCast podcast. My name is Adam Jolly from EMI Research Solutions. Joining me, as always, is Brian Lamar, also hey. VMI. Hey, buddy. How's it going? I'm doing okay. Um, hey, guess what's here? Flip-flop season, finally? Flip-flop season. It is spring. Uh, the sun is out. It is a balmy 68 degrees in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, it feels great. It's finally nice to have not have snow on the ground. Except that the wind is, the wind chill is probably 50. <laughs> I can't see that in a window. I don't care. <laughs> um, as always, we come from IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Email address if you have any questions, if you have any um, critiques, you can shove them in a sack, or you can email us, um, and as well as any Rushmore ideas if you want to be a guest on the podcast, etc. Um, on Twitter, you can find EMI at EMI underscore research. My own personal Twitter is Adam Jolly, all one word. And Brian Lamar, your Twitter is? Yeah, I don't know, again. This whole Zuckerberg thing has got me in a... Maybe I need to don't let him, be careful. Don't let that robot get you. Who's the Twitter guy? I don't know who the Twitter guy is, but I don't trust him. Twitter doesn't have a guy. It's just the bird. Okay. <laughs> Would you rather have the bird or Zuckerberg? <laughs> I think I'd rather have the bird. I think I do. I'm not totally convinced that Zuckerberg isn't the bird. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> is he real? Yeah. Um, it's been a hard watch. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Hard watch. You ever be watching something? Like I notice uh, we watch a lot, a lot of reality TV. And when something starts to make a turn that makes you feel uncomfortable, like it's not in the best in the person's best interest to be on the show anymore. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know about this. Yeah. I don't think this is good for anybody. That's how I feel about the Senate questioning of Mark Zuckerberg this week. It's... It's been incredible TV and very awkward to watch. Just, I mean, it it really makes me doubt the abilities of Congress a little bit because yeah. they clearly don't understand the internet. It is hard. I mean, it's a series of tubes, but <laughs> um, I mean that's why you should. That's why you know what I've been saying this for ten years. That's why we shouldn't have let adults on Facebook. Yep. Keep it to college. That's what it's good for. Completely agree. Once my grandmother got on Facebook when she was 87 years old, I knew it was done. But apparently it's not done. Facebook's dead. Um, outside of that, we have a great show today. We have Rod Antilla of Action Braced Research. Yeah. Um, and your connections that you're speaking with him this week, right? Yeah, I'll speak with him on Thursday in Cleveland AMA conference. We're talking about data quality from kind of his perspective as the buyer of sample, and my perspective as the, I guess the, I guess I'm a seller of sample. I don't know. I guess I sell sample. We sell Loose, loosely based. Right. Yeah. I, the, right now, I, I'm the same way. Uh, right. <laughs> loosely based seller of sample. From my perspective. Yeah. Um, what you got going on this weekend? Did you go to Keeneland last week? I did go to Keeneland. Um, we had an action packed weekend. The whole company was supposed to go this Saturday. Yeah, I wonder how that worked out. Yeah. Bail? Yeah. Bail City? Everybody canceled. Sure. We had 20 people confirm, and within three hours, 20 people canceled. Uh, well, you're, you all are invited to Recreations Outlet in Milford, Ohio, for a three- and six-year-old space-themed birthday party. Oh, nice. That's, yeah. That sounds fun. It's going to be out of this world. <laughs> I think that's... <laughs> I think that's what we put on the invite. There is moon pies in the oh, goodie pie. That's awesome. pretty good. My wife, she knows what she's doing. That's awesome. Uh, anything going on this weekend? No? Um, well, I'm going to watch... Keeneland's out. What do you got? I'm going to watch the Andre the Giant documentary. I've watched a little bit of it. We'll watch... I think it'll be a playoffs. So they start this weekend? Yes. 
So, I mean, that, those are the two big events this weekend. What uh, NBA playoffs for me. I got a little taste of NBA this week. Uh, went to okay. a Wizard Celtics game. That was great. Um, I've watched the last, not even the last, like a middle, just the ten minutes of the Andre the Giant documentary. I'm excited to get into it. Um, I think the biggest part is that maybe I was just too young with Andre the Giant, but yeah. a lot of the movie is kind of the formation of the WWF and like that type stuff. Yeah. So I like that, and then uh, talk a little bit like Andre for a couple days. I mean, no. they, they, they went into a big, um, what's, the, what's the movie? Who's in? I've been drawing a plane. The Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. yeah. There's a big 15-minute part of the documentary about Princess Bride, which is pretty good. Billy Crystal's in it, Rob Reiner. You know, The Princess Bride, I think, was, I loved it when I was a kid. I probably watched it a hundred times. The current Mrs. Jolly and I tried to watch it like a month and a half ago. Uh-oh. Doesn't, not, didn't really age well. Yeah. I mean, it's just it, the uh, it's just not there. Yeah, I think it's Kiriuis. Is that he his name? He didn't age. I don't well. think he's aged well. Yeah. Maybe Batankin has. <laughs> he's a beaut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll edit, edit that out. Edit that out. No. Uh, um, well, that leads us into this week's interview with Rod Antilla of Action Based Research. Um, what are you most interested to learn about Rod today? I, I want to get into how ner- exactly how nervous is he for our presentation. That's a good way, good gauge. Because <laughs> I'm nervous. I want to hear how nervous he is. Yeah. Really get confidence in the visitors and the people that are paying to see us speak at the conference. Yeah, that's true. You know what? Okay, I'll, I'll jump in on something. So recently we just recorded a webinar. And I would consider myself, look, I'll consider myself a pretty okay speaker. Yeah. I think I'm probably an A minus speaker. <laughs> a lot of times I use, um, I think what could make me better is using uh, bad analogies that I use, or um, I'll focus it on, on one person and berate them during a speech. Yeah. Or um, I just use the wrong words or make up words or call people the wrong name. Those are just natural things. But the webinar was maybe the hardest thing I've done. Oh, wow. It was really hard. I was kind of freaking out. Well, first of all, you are a good speaker. If you can get a room full of people, not once, but twice, the key is the second time you get the room full, right? Yeah. Any of us could probably get them once. But you have the same people, a lot of the same people the second time. Yeah, webinars are tough. I agree. Because you can't see in people's eyes. And There's no things. engagement. Yeah. You know? Like, so it's so great to, like, go out and see somebody. Like, if you're struggling or if you're getting nervous, like, this is what I tell any speaker or salesperson. Like, find somebody. Like, find something that is either so, – someone in the audience is as nervous as you, that is as weird as you, that, like, you can smile with or, like, you can engage with. So, like, I – a lot of times that's you for me, like, to start yeah. out and then I find somebody else along the way. But, like, the webinar, you got nothing there. So I can't tell if anybody's following along, if people are, like, you know, filling out their March right. Madness brackets, whether – like, what right. is going on during a webinar. It's just really hard to do the engagement part of it. Um, let's not do those ever again. No, I'm just kidding. It was, it was great. Uh, it'll be okay. Um, let's just jump right into the interview with Rod and um, see what Rod can tell us a little bit more about background of ABR, the AMA in Northeast Ohio, and just a little bit more about what his thoughts are on sample quality as well. Joining us now on the phone is Rod Antillet of Action Based Research. Rod, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing at Action Based Research. Uh, we just celebrated our 20th year anniversary last year. Wow. So we've been doing this for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, I like to describe us as like a lean, mean research machine. That's great. Uh, 
kind of methodologists. We don't focus on any given industry or technique. Uh, have a big tool belt that I can apply to anything. Wow. So, uh, so you started 20 years ago. What got you into the industry? What was it made you made you want to start the company? Well, interestingly, I was born and raised in Upper Michigan, so I'm a Uper. A Uper, all right. And uh, got my undergrad in psychology and was looking for a graduate program. And the only master's level was a um, master's level program at Cleveland State University, uh, the Consumer Industrial Research Program. Wow. So that brought me to Cleveland. And uh, basically it's consumer psychology, consumer behavior. Right. And my major professor had a small market research firm. Okay. So I started working for him once I finished my degree. Wow. And you've been there since. Wow, that's a lot. I I worked with them for many years and then 20 years ago started action-based research out of the basement of my house. Wow, that's great. And uh, I guess, so from now, like I think we first met was at SampleCon a few years ago in New Orleans. Um, and now right. you're speaking with Brian at the AMA, Northeast Ohio. Uh, how did you how yeah. did you get in with the AMA? I guess, like, how did this, like, kind of opportunity come up with a speaking engagement? Well, it, it was interesting. Two years ago, uh, Miranda Grove, who works with me here, and I decided to go to SampleCon for the first time. Right. Um, we were very interested in how, I mean, everything was changing in the landscape with online panel providers, data quality. There were a lot more players entering. Aggregation was becoming the basic, the, what everyone was using. So that's when I first met um, EMI, but it really opened my eyes to uh everything that was going on from the sample provider perspective right. as opposed to the buyer perspective. Sure. So I remember seeing uh, Melanie Cartwright talk about quality in some research now in the Crick report. And so I raced up to her afterwards and I said, oh, this is great. I would love to take some of this home to Cleveland because I'll be presenting at this local research conference. Um, and she was kind enough to share some of her slides. I co-presented with um, Pat Stokes from Lucid sure. two years ago. And we just talked about what's going on in the online data collection arena. That's great. Wow. So, Brian. Yeah. How excited are you to speak with Rod this week? I'm, I'm super excited. Right. So, so what can yeah. somebody expect? I'll kind of start with Brian here, and then we'll get into Rod. So, so what can someone expect going into this presentation? What are they going to learn, Brian? I think they're going to learn a lot about the sample landscape. It'll be similar, somewhat similar to what they presented a couple of years ago. Uh, trends in research, some challenges in research, both from Rod's perspective and mine, and hopefully they'll get some advice moving forward. We want to, we don't want to be too negative. So we're going to give the room some advice on online sampling. We don't expect everybody there to be experts in sampling. So a lot of people like Rod that are full service market researchers sure. or end clients. There'll be some simple people there, but people aren't going to be experts in it. So we're going to try to divulge a few secrets and, and, um, teach some people, I guess. Wow. I guess Rod, if there was one thing that you think you hope people walk away with from the presentation, what would it be? The thing that prompted me to do this presentation this year, kind of revisit this whole thing with 
the local AMA research chapter was last sam- this last sample con because I was we had we had been experiencing some issues with data collection over the last year that were things that we had never seen before, and it's more than the cheater speeder. It was starting to see wait some like fraudulent activity, which was kind of new. And when that came out at SampleCon, it was, this is what I want to talk about. I want to make sure people understand some of the more alarming trends that are occurring in the industry. Right. Yeah, it's a big shift. I think we went from being worried so much about speeders and cheaters and just like gibberish open ends, which are things that we can see and, you know, pretty quick detection to now like you start to say, man, are these answers too consistent? Or does this seem like the same person is answering all these questions? Or, you know, it's a lot different landscape with fraud. Fraud's really evolved, which is uh, probably the last evolution that you want is fraud. But um, it definitely has of late. so, Rod, I know we talked about SampleCon. From what would you prefer, New Orleans or Austin for SampleCon? I had gone to SampleCon twice in New Orleans, and both Miranda and I agree we don't ever need to go back to New Orleans. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> so Austin was great. Good. I, New Orleans is, uh, well, first, it's like Vegas. Like, you can't spend more than two days, three days there. Or, like, things become too normal for you. Like, there's that shock factor of New Orleans is kind of a good thing at first, but it should, you should never get, like, normal. Like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to drink a lot at breakfast today. If, if Bourbon Street smells normal to you at 9 in the morning, right. then you've been there. You've become long. a scarred person. That's true. Right. Um, so the, the, the first year we went with Miranda, that I went with Miranda, she had never been in New Orleans, and she was excited on the last day, let's go walk up Bourbon Street, but... Sadly, it was in the middle of the day, yeah, and it yeah. was disgusting. Yeah, it's so pretty nasty. She basically said she never has to go back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I remember I was with I went with my wife last year, and we uh, we decided to walk in the middle of the day. It was a Sunday morning. We went down Bourbon Street, yeah. and she dropped like she was wearing a. It was like April or something. It was kind of chilly. She was wearing a scarf, and she dropped a scarf on the ground. And she just picked it up, took it over a trash can, and threw it away. She's like, well, that scarf's dead to me now. <laughs> yeah. I'm not wearing that ever again. I can't. Yep. Uh, uh, There's not enough bleach in the world. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's part of the earth now. Um, well, Rod, I know you've listened to the podcast before. Um, this is where we do our research rant of the week. Kind of a quick um, you ranting about something that you found in the industry that annoys you, something that you don't like. You can give a solution to it if you want. You're not obligated to it, to be honest. Uh, but we wanted to give you the time now for this week's research rant of the week. Okay, I'm excited about this. <laughs> um, so it, it has nothing to do with online data collection because we do quite a bit. You know, we still do some central location testing. We still do... Uh, we have a handful of telephone trackers. So the my rant is trying to find purchased lists, uh, whether they be vertical pub lists or uh, compiled lists. You know, think think D and B, Dunhill, Info USA, as well as a bunch of vertical pub lists. So trying to find hard to find sample that we know we can't find online, we have to take traditional approaches. So I look, I look for lists, 
I find an NAI, I can't even say it, NCIS code. I know that's not what it's called. Right. Um, but you find a code, this is what I want, give me some sample records. I have an optimalist broker who works with multiple people. I get the sample records, you get like 10 of them. They give you a name, a business, and you kind of look them up online and out of the 10, Nine, nine of them aren't even in the industry. Ugh. Bad so it's frustrating trying to find. I, I don't. Someone needs to rethink and redo how these lists are compiled because they're just a mess. I I agree, and no one seems to want to invest in them to fix them as well. And right. it really is like you get burned by it type deal before, and then you like never go back. I would love to see like what their repeat customer. Like, like what their customer satisfaction rate is. Yeah. What's the NPS score of these of right. list companies, right? Well, an example, if I'm looking for roofing contractors, why is there a, a company that's basically a nursing home? <laughs> right. It doesn't make sense. I get, yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, Right, I did want to ask you one more question before we go into like the four P's, the personal part of it. Um, have you been following some of the Facebook Cambridge Analytica, kind of the, the Zuckerberg trials this week? Uh, yeah, I, I'm like morbidly obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. At first I was like, man, I can't wait to watch. I've evolved from where I went to, obviously like in the market research in this data industry, like this is a pretty big, like, like what? What does the landscape look like after this? You know, I mean, things that are probably going to be right. implemented in our industry and in, definitely in the sample supply, like the data collection file. But then I've like morphed into just a like discovery of him and like his mannerisms and like is this what genius looks like type of thing. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Brian well, showed me. It's kind of like when you go to the, you go to the movies and you get a big tub of popcorn, right? And you're really excited and you're, you eat. You're like. Shoveling it in your, you know, eating it, and suddenly you're, you're, it's just getting good, and you ran out of popcorn. <laughs> right, it's totally. Sh Brian showed me like a whole web page developed to his booster seat that he sits in, like his padded, like it's like three extra inches that he sits in the seat. I just, oh, I can't get enough of it. Uh, but what do you? Yeah, I think the, the Twitter hashtag of uh, all of these older members of Congress asking him pointed questions about Facebook were hysterical if you followed any of it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's explaining Facebook to your grandparents isn't, or computers, isn't always the best thing. You should, it, it's great to tell like my grandparents what I do for a living. It's, it's quite the adventure. <laughs> um, but I agree. It, for me, it, you know, the last election with all the opinion polling that went into the election, that the majority of them were kind of steering everybody in a certain direction. Right. And that direction turned out not to be where we landed. Right. And to me, it was less about, okay, who won, who didn't. Okay, I'm lying. It worked. That, right. That's concerned. Right. But to me, as a researcher, I've been doing survey research for 30-some years. It, I just, I'm just, it was just like in a weird state of shock, like, what happened? Right, right. You know, and now that when the Cambridge Analytica scandal came out, it, I think we're kind of peeling the layers of the onion a little bit. I'm not saying that answers all the questions anybody has. Right. But it seems like it's just we're getting some answers as to why the, 
the polling could have been so, I mean, it was historic that it was so wrong. <laughs> right. I agree. Yeah. It's, I think that's part of the fascination where people just wanting to know like what happened, you know, like, like what is, Correct. yeah, I get that too. Um, all right, let's jump into the four P's, kind of the more personal part of the podcast. We'll be asking okay. you four questions. I'll start with the letter P, um, just to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, you've listened to the podcast, you know how this goes, um, and we'll start with present. So, Rod, what was the best birthday present you've ever received? Um, that was uh, my husband surprised me on my 50th, which was yeah, just a few years ago. Uh, <laughs> And uh, it was awesome because, one, I was totally surprised, but he flew in my family, my college friends, and slowly brought them out through the course of the evening. So it was was pretty spectacular. This is your life. I love it. That's great. That's one of the best answers we've had. It's a good answer. Um, Next question. What place or day is your ideal, ideal setting or your happiest place? Yeah, this was an interesting question. Um, we, uh, I've traveled, like, not the globe, but I mean, I've done a lot of travel, uh, have some favorite spots, but I would say that, you know, I can find joy in very simple, simple ways. So right. I find myself outside with my macro lens and my iPhone taking a picture of a snowflake on the front lawn or a blade of grass in the sunshine or, you know, a dew, a, a drop of rain hanging from a leaf. So, you know, hashtag beauty is where you find it. <laughs> and you can follow me on Instagram at, at RJA1. I love it. That's great. I'm going to add you. I think, no, it really helped, like, simple moments of happiness that one person well, finds and kind of spread it. this political season, sure. I find myself, if I, if I start getting, like, a little hot and bothered. Okay. I grab my phone, I grab my macro lens, and I go outside, and I try to find a picture of something beautiful. That's your escape. I love it. We could all learn from that. Um, next one is purpose. So this came from like award season. You know, people get up, they thank people it came from, and we wanted to ask you who has driven you to success. Like, who would you thank in an acceptance speech to that got you where you are? Uh, well, that would definitely be my mentor, Dr. Brian Blake, who was the uh, director of the Consumer Industrial Research Program at Cleveland State University. I started working for his company right after I finished my coursework, and his partner was uh, Fern Pomerantz, who was the qualitative side of his quantitative. Uh, sadly, Fern's no longer with us, but right. I would say... Both of them really helped me hone my craft as a market researcher. Researcher, excuse me. And, um, but they also had a small company, and one was a full-time professor, and one disappeared and was a snowbird and went to the Caribbean Whoa. for three months a year. So I kind of got to learn how to run a small business. That's great. So it was perfect. Right. When it was ready for me to start action-based research, I kind of had a good set of skills. That's great. Yeah. That, you got not really thrown in the deep end, but definitely have to learn. That's great. I love it. Uh, the last one is person. So this is our, our Mount Rushmore. So we, um, I mean, you know, Brian pretty well too. Like we're really into, we rank everything. 
here in the office as like the EMI way is everything gets ranked. You're the worst. You're the best. You're number two. And so we came up with this, what is, you know, rank top four things or top four people. And for you, we wanted to get what are the, the top four things to do in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, good. Um, I'm going to think spring, early summer in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. I, um, I would say the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a must if you haven't been. Sure. If you're a fan of any music, you'll find something interesting and get lost for hours and hours. Uh, there's also the East Bank of the Flat. Uh, it's very, like, party central. You know, there's a punch bowl social awesome bar. There's the Big Bang dueling candle bar. That sort of... Yeah. Right on the river, really cool. Um, also, uh, I'm not sure if anybody knew this, but Cleveland has the second largest theater district outside of New York City. Really? So, yeah, Playhouse Square. Wow. And tons of shows are coming in constantly, so that's definitely a must-see. And on Euclid Avenue, just in the last few years, they built a huge chandelier, crystal chandelier that hangs over the road. Really? Yes. It's gorgeous. And then finally, I would say it's tribe season, so getting to a tribe game is a must. Right, Indians game. And Progressive Field is gorgeous, and... Yeah, it's yeah. really nice. There's some nightlife down there, too. You know, restaurants. Are, I, I agree. That's a great thing to do. This time of year, yeah. it's gorgeous. Uh, Brian, did you make a Mount Rushmore of things to do in Cleveland? I did not. I've only been to Cleveland a couple times. And, really? Um, I've been to a baseball game. I think the baseball stadium there is beautiful. Yeah. I like it. Lazy. It's lazy, Brian. I know. I did. I did make a Mount Rushmore. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah. I, well, I feel like so my connection um, with the city of Cleveland. I've been a ton because my family is from right outside of Columbus, and a lot of family moved to Cleveland. And I remember we used to go. My my dad was in the racehorse industry and used to go to Thistle Downs a lot, like during oh, yeah. the winter, uh, and race there. And then. Grew up huge Browns fans, which is super convenient and an awesome place to be in life is to be a Browns fan. Uh, so we would go and ra- he would race on Saturdays. We'd go to a game on Sunday. It was lovely, like sadness. Things that like that was the thing. Like think about 1995. And you'd be like, what are things that aren't going to be around in 2018? Thistle Downs and the Cleveland Browns. Uh, whatever. Um, yeah, Thistle Downs has actually become the Rock Casino, right? Which is an awesome place. They have a great venue for old classic bands. Really. I've seen Pat Benatar, Sidney Lauper, a bunch of people come through. Wow. I love it. We'll have to head back up again. Um, my and, and the Browns actually had a parade for having a losing season, so I guess that's <laughs> Yeah, always a reason to drink in Cleveland. That was actually on my uh, on my Mount Rushmore is drink. Um, I love Fathead, Platform, Great Lakes, just some great breweries in Cleveland. Um uh, along with bars in Cleveland are okay. Um, I listed the West Side Market, which I have gone up with my wife, and it's a lot like our Finley Market here in town. Just eat throughout the day. Just go from you know booth to booth. Um, did you know that the the movie The Christmas Story, the house is in Cleveland? Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We drove by just to see the has, leg. Uh, in downtown, um, on Kingies, the department store used to be right on the square downtown. And they filmed the movie before they had now it's the casino oh really like I, when I first came to Cleveland 20 years ago I remember going to Higby's and then seeing the movie you could kind of see how it was all oh wow it's like walking in 
in a Christmas story. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And, and no soap. Thousands of children in a museum. Right. Wow. Yeah. Now the house is like they like restored the house. It's like perfectly preserved and as a museum now to the movie. That's pretty weird. Um, yeah. Rod, one last part about that we do in the every interview is the non-research rant of the week. This is a rant of uh, not to paint you into a grumpy corner, but <laughs> so we already made you rant on research. Right. Okay. So, so anything non-research related you want to do a rant on? Yeah, it's kind of all-encompassing. Let's just say travel. I've been traveling a lot for work. I'm heading out tonight. And I don't know if I'm blaming the airlines for making the seats so small and the aisle so narrow. Or am I blaming all of the people coming in with oversized carry-ons and are clueless about what's going on as they go up the aisle? But I basically, I was just traveling and I was on the aisle and I would say half of the people coming through, I got hit with something, whether it was a designer bag, yeah. a backpack. And it, so it's like, am I angry at you or am I angry at the plane? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I agree. It's the worst. I mean, really I, even the other day, I don't know why I never do it, but I like, I got, I got upgraded to, um, the Delta comfort plus. And I was expecting like a different world, and it's nothing. It's, it's nothing. no, it's no different than the regular seats. <laughs> it's nothing. It's really, I think I had a charger. That was the only thing that was different. That's the plus. Plus the charger. But it's still, yeah. The lines, the lanes are too low. The whole boarding process with the overhead. You know, it, the, I don't think the industry realizes that the re- reason people like have carry-ons is because they don't trust that their check luggage will get there, right. let alone that you're charged for it. But they, I mean, for yeah. 25 bucks, I'll check a bag, whatever. If I knew with 100% guarantee it was going to be in the city that I got to, you know, and it, and then right. they just, I feel like the overheads just keep getting smaller and smaller. The pink tags. I hate it. I'm done. I'm out on traveling. <laughs> no more traveling. I'm still on the fence with people who bring food on the plane to eat. Because oh yeah. On one hand, it's like, oh, gross. Why are you bringing on a plane? But if they're bringing fried chicken in, it's like, damn, that smells good. True. It's better than smelling actual people. Uh, <laughs> exactly. That's right. Exactly. I can do a travel rant. Good. What sure. I don't understand is now there's like eight levels of loading the plane. Boarding, yeah. So there's like people with disabilities. Okay, agree with that. Sure. And then you have military, and then you have first class, and you have business class, and you have special class, and you have um, comfort level. Why don't they just do first class and then board from the back in order? Because inevitably, people are getting on at random times. You're putting luggage right. up, and the luggage is full. Then you've got five people wandering on the plane looking where to put their luggage. How, how, how is this possible in 2018? Well, didn't they used to do that before, that they would first class and then back up? That's what it should be. Like, Southwest doesn't even do that, and Southwest is good at, good at this. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what the... I have the... a question for the two of you. Yeah. Go ahead. Are, are, are the two of you the kind of people that have to be in line at the gate, and as soon as you can board, you board? No. Or are you the ones that are at the bar drinking to the last minute? I'm drinking to the last minute, usually, yeah. I'm standing there waiting. Now, I'm not in the line. I'm in like a the tertiary area. I'm not in anybody's way. But I'm, I'm like, I'm going to be sitting down for two hours. Why would I want to be the first one on the plane? I don't understand that mentality. Like, I, I don't mind being well, last. I can tell you I'm the person that 
I need to get in the plane, in my seat. I need my overhead space. <laughs> and I will sit there and plug the phone in and watch cartoons until we take off. I, you know, I, I usually look at the, like, Delta's great about having the, how many seats are remaining on a plane. So if, yeah. if it's over, say, 15 or over 10, I'll be the last one on because I know that I'm, I'm going to get some overhead. But if it's, like, down, like, if it's under 10, I'm, I'm standing ready to yeah. get on as fast as I can. Because, I mean, to me, worst case scenario on a plane is I'm in row, say, 8, and I have to put my bag yep. in row 25, yep. and then I'm stuck exactly. just hanging out somewhere. It's the, the worst. worst thing that you can yep. do on a plane, I think. And then and then the person <laughs> sitting next to me is eating your wrist. Blocking everybody as you're trying to get your bag. Oh, it's the worst. Oh, my God. Well, Rod, thank you so much. Uh, looking forward to hearing you and Brian at the AMA in Cleveland. Um, we uh, do you want to, How can people reach out to you? Uh, you can probably go to the website. Um, I think my Twitter is at RJA underscore O-N-E. Okay. Uh, I think. <laughs> no, that's fine. I, I, think Brian, I think Brian mentioned the other, on the other podcast that he's not really a Twitter person, and I'm not really either. Yeah. This, yeah, get out of here. Thanks, Zuckerberg. Yeah, Zuckerberg ruined everything <laughs> for us. Exactly. Uh, well, thanks, Rod. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for coming on. All right. Thank you both for inviting me. Thank you so much, Rod, for that awesome interview. It was great to learn so much about him. And I don't think he was too nervous, Brian. He sounded okay. Oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> um, so kind of some housekeeping. Uh, you can reach Rod on Twitter at RJA underscore A-B-R for any questions or, um, you know, maybe if you just want to go to Cleveland and you want to learn a little bit more about that glorious part of this state. Um, you can catch both Rod and Brian Lamar, co-host Brian Lamar, at the AMA Northeast Ohio on April 19th, speaking about data quality. Um, a, the, we'll be at APOR in Denver on May 19th with last week's guest, actually, friend of the pod, yeah, Adam Dietrich. Um, you can catch us at IIEX, June 11th through 13th. There will be um, 13,000 people from EMI going to that conference in Atlanta. Um, and stay tuned for more details on a possible live podcast recording. Um, but big news. Are you ready, Brian? I am. Big news. MRMW, April 24th and 25th. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's not in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's in Covington, Kentucky, across the street. It might as well be an ocean. It's at the Marriott River Center. And on the, on the 25th, no, 24th, the 24th. It's a Tuesday. A Tuesday at 7 o'clock. Guess what's happening? Are we going to get some food? I'm going to eat some biscuits. You know what else I'm doing? What's that? Eating some burgers. You know what else I'm doing? What's that? Recording a live podcast. This podcast, Intelecast, will be recording live from Biscuits to Bur Burgers at River Center. That's 50 East River Center Boulevard in Covington, Kentucky at 7 o'clock. A live recording of the Intelecast podcast on April 24th. Please, everyone, come. It's going to be great. There will be uh, drink tickets handed out for a while. Um, just don't, don't put us out. I mean, we're kind of a startup. This podcast is podcast budgets aren't aren't glorious. Bring a rant. Bring a rant. We'll put you on. There'll be live mics just jumping all around the place. What what, what time? Seven o'clock okay. Eastern, Eastern time. Eastern time. Okay. Cincinnati's Eastern time. Nobody knows, understands that. No, everyone. Oh, yeah. The entire state is in Eastern time zone. 
We're like six hours from the beach. I mean, our neighboring states are even in the Eastern Time Zone, right? Does Both Indiana have time, time zones? I don't. Indiana doesn't switch for daylight saving times. <laughs> they have fast time and slow time. I don't really understand Indiana. Indiana has fast time and slow time, and they don't celebrate President's Day. One of the, it's like a lot of weird rules with the Hoosier State. But uh, MRMW, April 24th, 7 o'clock at Biscuits to Bur- Burgers in Covington. We'll be recording the live podcast. Come for the drinks. Stay for the talk and the rants. And we look forward to seeing you there. Until next time, this is Adam Jolly and Brian Lamar, VMI Research Solutions, and we'll talk to you soon. Good day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.